Greetings, programs, and welcome to a new episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast. Uh, the episode only podcast where we review two things every week, except this week we're going to talk about three. My name is Matthew, and with me as always is Simon. Say hello, Simon. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Yes, we're going to do the same thing we always do, apart from the fact it will be different. Yes. <laughs> now, yeah, we're, we're going to do the same thing with now with 50% more thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is usually where I ask you what you've been watching, but I actually just want to intercept that and tell you that I, at uh, when my wife was putting the kids down last night, I put on um, the worst person in the world uh, to watch the first, meant to be the first 10, 15 minutes. And uh, I watched three quarters of that movie and my wife actually came and watched the rest of it. And that's uh, that's quite a good film, isn't it? <laughs> that's yeah, that is legitimately one of the best films of last year. It's quite special. Um, so I've got we got to midnight, and then the dog decided he had to go out, and we have half an hour left, so we've we've saved the last half an hour. But um, it turns out what everyone is like going crazy over this movie for pretty good reason, and the uh, the main actress won the Palme d'Or acting award and uh for very very good reason she's absolutely exceptional yeah i'm, I'm apologies to her i don't uh 100 know how to pronounce her name i believe it's renata renziv renziv mm -hmm. uh is legitimately wonderful and i can't wait to see her in more things lots of, like dakota fanning not fanning dakota johnson energy like that kind of really reminded me of her performance in uh Oh god, the thing we talked about with Dakota Johnson and the, the oh, cha cha real smooth, cha cha real smooth, like that kind of energy, uh, that kind of look, um, very very good. I thought. Yeah. Um, so what are you watching? On a similar note, I watched the new horror movie Smile last night. Oh, I really want to see that. Which uh, has some real. It's like, um, basically, if you took. It follows in the ring and cross them together. That would be a pretty good explanation of what this movie is. What? It's no, it's no barbarian. Don't get me wrong, um, but and what? I think I think it leans a little a little too hard on the jump scares at some point. Some oh, points. I hate jump scares. But the uh, but the jump scare most of the jump scares are really well executed, like really earned, and uh, the rest of it is really creepy. And there's some really. Uh, interesting and wonderful camera work that like a lot of it is just really off-putting mm -hmm. uh, in a way that I really enjoyed. Well, it follows as one of my top horror movies of all time. And I love the ring, both the, the original ring and the remakes. Um, so I will be checking smile out for sure. Yeah. I mean, basically if you can imagine it follows, but make it for trauma instead of STDs, then that's pretty much what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. But I, uh, I was going to yeah. say I like the STDs, but that, I don't want that to be misconstrued. Uh, I uh, I look forward to that. Next uh, well, good, good. Anything else new this week before we dive right in? Because we're on a uh, we are we're on a timer busy. today. <laughs> We've all got busy lives. I don't think so. I've watched just more low decks and um, more bits and bobs this week. And uh, football's on. So and Qatar is a terrible place. So I think that pretty much sums up my week. 
my wife's been away for for most of the week so i've just been doing like parent stuff and kid stuff so it's it's true that fifa is uh, a demonstrably evil and corrupt organization and qatar is a demonstrably terrible place Uh, but football is a wonderful sport and i feel very conflicted about all of it yeah. But Team Canada is playing since for the first time since I was a literal child, so I am watching. <laughs> so I hope, I hope they've got more. I mean, we're not going to turn into a football podcast, but they were so impressive in the last game. But they don't have anyone who can finish their balls as they push forward, if you pardon the expression. So <laughs> they, they're, they're playing at eight o'clock tomorrow, right, our time. So I really, really hope that they've just been focusing on their like forward striking play because they absolutely did not deserve to lose. They were fantastic in their like belief in the middle, in the middle of the field, a little bit sloppy defense, but they had no, no one who could finish at the front. Yeah. Tomorrow's tomorrow's middle game, I believe. Yeah. The the eight o'clock our time, four o'clock PM Qatar time. Uh, And yeah, I think a, a good way to sum it up would be that when playing, first off playing Belgium, Arguably, odds on favorite, or at very least, they have the best defense yeah. and, and goalkeeper yeah. in yeah. the tournament. Um, but I think a good way to put it would be they were far more athletic than Belgium, but far a little bit less technically adept, would be the very polite way to put it. Yeah, that's the thing. Belgium have the experience, uh, but they're all like quite an old team now, and it showed they didn't have the legs if you if you uh, if you want the parlance, but. The when it came to like that professional finish, that Belgium were just all over them, which is a real shame because Canada had such great passing moves in the middle of the field. I was so impressed with what they pulled together. Yeah, it's interesting too. I think I wonder if maybe the rest of the matches that Canada ends up playing, which will be at least two because it's group stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of wonder if maybe they might be a little more difficult because no one was quite expecting what happened the other day yes (laughs) yes like we lost but we lost really well so for the love of god practice penalty taking (laughs) yeah that was hard heartbreaker terrible terrible penalty but um i would love for them even if they don't make it through the group stage like i would love for canada to get their first ever world cup goal because they really deserve to have that on their sheet Yep, um, but, I'd love them to have a goal and a win, but I, even just yeah. a goal yeah, would be an improvement at this great. point. Yeah. So, okay. Well, now that we've uh, finished talking about football and spoiler, look at you, look at you spoiler, talking about football like a local. <laughs> so spoiler alert: We'll probably be talking about football a lot over the next couple of weeks, <laughs> and we'll probably be mentioning that FIFA is a terrible organization over the next couple of weeks. So, get on that train, people. Okay. Uh, yeah, so let's move on. We got a, a hard out today, so let's start with our first thing. We're going to revisit something we covered a few weeks ago. Now that it is over, we are going to talk a little bit about the Star Wars television series, Andor, which is fucking incredibly good. I can't even let Simon talk about it, and he's going to go on for ages about how good it is, but it is so good. Uh, with Wonderful cast. It feels like the first Star Wars thing in... At well, least, at least since the Last Jedi, it feels like the first Star Wars thing to feel like it had something to say and a story to tell before being Star Wars. If you know, if you know what I'm trying to say, like it's yeah. the it's the first thing that it seems to be unconcerned with actually. Like it's, it's kind of a hard com- comparison because 
The Last Jedi is actually very much about Star Wars. But it is also like has something to say that is more important than that or anyway. Uh, but Andor feels like something where it's like, well, I wrote this great revolutionary uh, spy story and let's just put it in Star Wars, which is exactly what I want from Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's the yeah. first one that makes the, the world feel, the universe feel bigger in forever. Uh, and I, I just I just loved it. I loved it so much. I mean, where to start with this? I, we don't usually revisit things, do we? But when we first, last talked about Andor, we were a couple of episodes in, and we were effusive over how amazing it was, but also very cautious because we've been here before. We, we've been stung so many times by Star Wars trying desperately to be reverential and and to, to involve as much of its lore as possible. And I can't believe, and I said this to you every single week I watched it, I can't believe that week on week we're getting an we got an episode that was one of the best written things i've seen in in decades like tony gilroy uh i haven't watched that movie that he did that you rewatched the george clooney one um yeah michael, michael clayton which is michael a legitimate clayton. masterpiece yeah so i need to watch that because his writing as a writer as a writer i mean as someone who <laughs> likes to as as someone who likes to write and it has been studying writing for a long time and is still trying to get good at it and is still very frustrated at, at how bad i am at writing sometimes just the writing was like when music when the notes hit just right it mm-hmm. somehow the whole thing managed to do everything and still be part of star wars and still be this gray area um, spy story without falling into any of the traps or any of the cliches and you end up with this 12 episode run which is one of the best seasons of tv i've ever seen in any genre and yet it's still somehow recognizably star wars it's not like grafted onto that universe it's still part of that universe and it's the thing we've been saying for years and years and years and you know how i feel about rogue one i would have rogue one's babies if possible i love that movie because it felt like like it's it's the same feelings I feel about Andor, but finally lots of other people feel the same way too. Like Andor is an expansion of what Rogue One did, which is the non-Jedi, the gray area, boots on the ground, self-sacrifice, everything that Star Wars has always been about, which is about sacrifice for the greater good. You you save what you love instead of killing what you hate. And the the to see it unwrap and and then have that four episode mini arc the whole prison thing and the audacity to end like the main character just saying that he he could never escape he can't swim like the mm-hmm. absolute perfection and and i haven't even started talking about stellan Starsgard, fiona shaw genevieve o'reilly uh diego luna adria and rona uh denise gal like everyone is like on stage on their final night after doing a full like rep theater with their monologues. And it's like one of the writers I love said every, every line could be a one act play. And I mm-hmm. just keep thinking about that. Everything is um, cause good writing is restrained. It doesn't go too far. It lets you kind of feel what they're thinking without it being painted out. And this was just a masterclass in that. And Stone Starsguard's monologue in the penultimate episode where someone asks him like, what have you sacrificed? And he's like, 
like for the next five minutes he starts talking and he goes and his intensity just builds and builds and builds like yeah unbelievable and fiona shaw as well destroyed me in her episodes i'm just like fiona shaw made me cry yeah effectively every time she was on screen (laughs) that one episode where where cassian comes home i'm sorry this is spoilers but you should damn well watch this cassian comes home uh, and he is he he can't stay for long and he's begging her to leave and and that whole conversation where her intensity builds by like micrometers every like time Mm -hmm. she speaks until she is just like shouting but not shouting at him yeah just to He's... my core, to my core, shaken, like amazing. Yeah, that was one. That was the episode where, um, and it's a line that got repeated a couple of times by her. But like, that's the time when she's building because he's not really listening and to what she's saying and what she's going to do. And then he says, "Like, I will. I would worry about you." And uh, she well, says, don't, don't and, she, say it. "And she says, well, that's just love. There's nothing to be done about that." And I just like, <laughs> just like. So my wife's been away this week and we're a very close family and my kids were sad and like um, and my daughter was like, I miss her and I said, I just love nothing to be done about that. And she kind of that helped her and I was like, Don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even got into the fucking droid B B Emo, which is the best name droid, most app droid, who is basically played as a, a grieving child. And the best thing about the droid is that nobody speaks down to it. Everyone treats the droid like a put like an actual living thing. And there's one yeah. terrible, wonderful scene where a main character gets like squats down to talk to him as if he's a child. Just and the whole thing is written with authenticity and truth and there's a, a torture scene. Uh, Adriana Aragona has her own kind of three or four episode arc where she's being tortured, and she is just a, a perfect example of screaming by saying nothing. Like it's it just mind blowing. My when I watched a, a recap of all the all the best things from uh, season one of Andor, and she just rewatched season one of Andor. I, I went through a, a slideshow, and honestly. I was like, oh, God, yeah, this happens, and this happens, and it somehow works, and it fits together. Just I'm just saying that that a YouTube video of all the best things about Andor Season 1 would just be a rewatch of Andor Season (laughs) 1. Just that. And I'm saying that as the Star Trek guy. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I am, for me, the high bar for um, sci-fi writing as a TV series has been the expanse for years and years. I think the expanse is something really special. And this was better than that. This was better than any episode of the uh, series of the expanse, like as a complete season of TV, that was not just this amazing spy story that had beautiful circular narrative from the very, very last second of this episode, just everything fits together. And it's still recognizably star Wars, Mm-hmm. And not just visually, <laughs> which was a nice coda, but emotionally and um, the design and also the uh, everyone's existing in that universe. It didn't feel like it's a planet like out of what's going on. It was part of the story. And, and you, having seen Rogue One and having seen the original trilogy, the seeds of it are here without it being reverential without it being like winky to the audience or like stunt cameos it's just like how did this come out of the same studio as boba fett and mandalorian like how is that possible 
because it is utterly different in every regard. It's I mean, I think incredible. I think the answer is Tony. I don't have any inside baseball, but, but I think the answer is Tony Gilroy <laughs> and having something actual to say. You know, I do. Lo- I do love. I every time you don't know, you don't have inside knowledge. You said I don't have inside baseball. I'm sure that's a reference to something. But <laughs> I, I love how you say that every time. It's probably a documentary or something, isn't it? But um, I mean, it's just a phrase. It's just a phrase that people say. <laughs> I do. I do like it. Yeah. But we don't have. Um. But the. Uh, I just even just quiet. It played with moments so well like there's a great moment where the the rebels are kind of pretending to be shepherds and hiding out and the the beautiful scottish the scottish glens and they and then they hear like um they get the imperials are getting ready for this like sh- this festival thing and so they're doing fly but, the, but this one tie fighter does a flyby and you've heard the tie fighter sound like thousands of times in your life as part of a cacophonous like uh, a space battle, but having one TIE fighter screaming overhead, knowing that it could ruin everything, it's just, it was suddenly terrifying. Like the iconography of Star Wars was suddenly meaningful. Like there's, there's many episodes where my stomach was just, the, in the heist episode, my stomach was just doing flip-flops all the way through. Mm-hmm. And, and the Empire have never been dangerous. Stormtroopers have never been dangerous until like now like and it's not just physically dangerous but the things they do to suppress just, i mean I, oh, this is this is why like, my god we have two new things to talk about as well and like i i, oh. I don't have time to talk about everything but a couple of things i wanted to talk about were that i think it's really interesting that this is i think the first star wars show where the sort of um the battle of ideologies isn't really being fought by the protagonist uh, which I find super interesting because mm-hmm. ultimately there's two like like Andor Cassie and Andor does have an opposite and it's the character of Cyril Karn and they are both basically pawns like one to various degrees of willingness in this ideological battle but the actual ideological extremists the people who are like the hardcore fighters for their causes are still in Skarsgård as Luthen and Denise Goff as Deidre Miro, the Imperial Security Bureau Bureau person. And I find it really interesting that we're seeing the sort of like, you know, flag officer level and the boots on the ground level at the same time, but in a way where we're not, I don't know how to articulate exactly what I'm saying, but basically I, I find it interesting that those are the dualities and it's not Diego Luna. It's not Cassian Andor leading from the bottom and it's, it's not, um, he's not having to convince anyone. He's having to be convinced. And on the Imperial side, it's really interesting that like Deidre Miro is a really, really good security officer. And mostly it's that she's just not terrible. You know, like she's just actually competent and everyone else around her is not. Motivated. Yeah. And yeah, competent and motivated and everyone else around her is sort of like, we're the empire, darling. We're just going to do everything and you're going to take it and like it. And she's like, no, no, uh, I, you know, it's, it's all very interesting to me. And I think that it's really interesting that, you know, on the rebel side, Cassian is so reluctant to join the cause and on the Imperial and, but they want him and they need him. And on the Imperial side, Cyril is so like, 
like a puppy dog wanting to join the imperial cause and they're like sorry you're not quite bureaucratic enough for us <laughs> like yeah and and the and just the fact that the it really goes deep on the idea that the the real terrifying thing of the empire isn't Darth Vader or the emperor it's just the oppressive mm. bureaucracy of it all like the boring mundane shit that they just how they oppress people just by existing is very very interesting and very well executed. And and, and on that note, Mon Mothra in in amidst the middle of that bureaucracy, but playing both sides, and she has a wonderful moment in the last episode where she absolutely throws her terrible husband under the bus because it, it will cover her tracks more, and mm-hmm. just uh, that whole you could have a whole series of her weaving her way through her political life being one thing on the outside and another thing on the inside and Genevieve O'Reilly I have no idea where she came from before this but she is just phenomenal in this in that that kind of barely contained emotion and control and uh, uh that sort of not regality because she's not a monarchy but that kind of the high status when it needs to be the emotion when it needs to be just everyone is on that absolute A game with the script that is the best that I've heard in years with the direction of everything as well. I said this on the very, very first episode where Cassian's looking for his sister and he runs into the camera when the Imperial, um, no, they're not Imperial, the security guards run after him and um, the camera holds his face during that whole dialogue scene. You don't see they're out of focus in the background. You just see him reacting to it and thinking what to do. And I remember texting you straight away, like, what is going on? I've never seen this happen before. I've never seen direction like this in Star Wars. And mm-hmm. it turns out the whole season was directed with such creativity and such flair. I'm like, who, where have these people been before? Like, give them Star Wars from now on. Like, it's, I want to see, I'm so glad we didn't have Jedi mythology in this, but these people, if you were, if you gave them, the you know your your mainline Star Wars movies that have to have a Jedi and have to have a Sith and all that stuff as well. I want to see them do something with that because my God, I like I'm just I can't I don't have superlatives left to to talk. I could talk for the whole hour. I know we can't, but I could just talk for hours about how successful this season of television is. Uh, yeah and in terms of the production i mean i think a big part of it too is that it's clearly been organized uh yes. like there's three there's basically there's four four major arcs and each one of those arcs is written by and directed by one person so like the first three episodes which are all about serial about um and or looking for a sister and then having to escape Ferrix. That's all written by Tony Gilroy and directed by Toby Haynes. And then the next three episodes are all written by Dan Gilroy and directed by Susanna White, uh, right up through the heist. Um, and then the entire prison segment is, I think there's one episode that's not like the one episode that's sort of like a middle place before he gets arrested is written by, Uh, ben- Stephen Schiffen directed by Benjamin Karen, and then the t- the entire three episode stretch of being in prison was written by Bo Willimon and directed by Toby Haynes again, and that might be my favorite three episode stretch of the whole thing. Yeah. And then we get Benjamin Karen and Tony Gilroy back for the last two, and I also think just from a structural point of view, like 
we did talk a little bit about how the first couple episodes are a little bit slow. Um, and that was, I think, a fairly universal criticism because, you know, originally we got four episodes and the first three are a little bit slow. But that pays off yeah. in the last two back on Ferrix because you already know the lay of the land. Like that world building, that that getting us familiar with the places and the people on Ferrix make the yeah. make it so they can just tell the story at the end. And it's just wonderfully executed. Do you know, on, on that note, oh, it is, you're absolutely right. And when you think about the the hero's journey, so the seven-stage hero's journey that is used in so many modern movies, including most of the, the, the Star Wars, where you've got the, the first act is the hero being uh, confronted by the problem, and then at the beginning of the second act, they they accept the quest. After declining the quest, they accept the quest. So Luke sees his his burning aunt and uncle and says directly this is me accepting the quest like that's the moment and this whole season 99.9 percent of this season is cassian rejecting the quest and mm -hmm. he doesn't he doesn't begin his act two until the last seconds of the final episode and i just found that fascinating this this exploration of his emotional physical journey to get to that point i've never seen something that effective that's just the rejection of the quest before like just my yeah and season two can't come soon enough it's going to be interesting because the structure of season two is going to be a little bit different um but it still can't come soon enough have you heard about this how season two is going to work no so no, season 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 one is roughly like the whole series starts at five years before Rogue One. Yeah, and season one takes place over the course of that first, like the fifth year out, basically. Yeah. And season season two is apparently going to be four blocks of three episodes each, and each one of those blocks will take place in a year closer to Rogue One. And the end of the last block will apparently be like a lead in <sighs> to Rogue One. You need to stop talking because so, I, need that. I, need, I need that right now. So effectively, Rogue one. one is going to be the Andor finale. Just oh, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so can't come soon enough. Uh, oh my god! But yeah, yeah it's I, it's how how far out is it? Do we have a timeline on it? Uh, probably season two, oh. no, twenty twenty four. So. Okay. Year year after next, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, we need to stop talking about Andor because I'm just going to keep going unless you stop me. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, let's stop I haven't there. Even I haven't let's... talked about the Imperial guy. I don't know his his name. Cyril. We talked about. I talked no, about. No, Cyril. no, no. Sorry, the Imperial. The not um, Cyril's not Imperial. He's uh, he is. He is. He is at the end. He's he's in the oh, bureaucracy wow. at the end. He's yeah, the wannabe. I mean, I mean, I mean, we haven't talked about. Um, Farada Setu, and we haven't talked about her relationship with um, Vel, so perfectly played as well. Um, but I want to talk about the um, the Imperial head, the head honcho. Uh, oh, Anton Lesser, yeah, the the head uh, of the ISB. Just like Peter Cushing levels of evil without being cliched. Yeah, you need to watch. We don't have time to talk about how great Anton Lesser is. <laughs> But suffice to say, you need to watch Game of Thrones, my friend. Oh, is he in, he's in that as well, is he? Yeah. Okay. He's also yeah. in a Netflix series we recently started watching called 1899, which, uh, yeah, good stuff. Oh, wow, they really aged him. He looks much younger in real life. 
I don't think they did actually. I think that's just oh, an old photo you're looking at. All right, we got to move on. Yeah, uh, we got to move uh, on. How many Andor's, stars? How, how many Andor's stars great. All, all of them, just all of them. Yeah. How many? Yeah, like, five is the max. Oh so my all god! Of them. Like, if it, it seems bad to give it five stars, but it is all of the stars. I one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Well, let's okay. move on. Uh, before we move on, I have a question. Of the two things we're going to cover next, one was one's longer and one's shorter. Which of those did you like better? Oh, um, the one that is Marvel adjacent significantly more than the other one. All right, so let's move on to the new Apple TV Plus streaming holiday movie, <laughs> Spirited, <laughs> which it sounds like Simon didn't like and I thought was just fine. Uh, why don't you take us through Spirited, Simon, take us through the basics of the plot. You have thirty seconds. Go. Um, well, okay, it's uh, it's it's Christmas Carol um, transposed. Um, it's modern day Christmas Carol. So if you've seen Scrooge or any other version of Christmas Carol, like um, I know Muppets Christmas Carol is actually that thing, but any kind of modern trans- transposition of uh, a terrible person, and you have three ghosts that come to visit you and show you your past, your present, your future, and slowly that terrible person who believes is un- irredeemable will become, in fact, redeemable. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, everyone's happy yeah. at the end. And this is this is a musical. Now there is a twist in this that I didn't know because I hadn't looked at the cast list, or maybe it was even said in marketing, and I missed it. But one it of wasn't the in marketing turns out at all. Oh, okay. So yeah, I don't. don't want to talk I would. About that I would. Twist. I wouldn't spoil it, but basically, yeah, there is there is uh, some there is a twist about who exactly one of the people is in the story, yes. and I think it's a super interesting twist. Yeah, um, me too. It was so good, and they didn't do enough with it at all. <laughs> but it's a really good idea. Uh, I don't know if they didn't do. I mean, it's kind of becomes the point of the back half of the movie, though. That like, and I also like that it does take a little bit of liberty with the idea that like that people can change just overnight, uh, even though, like, even though he still kind of does, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, um, mm-hmm. it's, t- it's a tough one. I thought this movie was fine. I keep seeing people telling me that, like, online and saying that, like, oh, it's so bad and, like, oh, they can't sing. And, but, like, honestly, have, have you guys, have you guys watched Christmas movies? Have you watched a Muppet? Like, honestly, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Uh, it's true that if you're over Ryan Reynolds' shtick, which at this point is a very easy thing to be over, you probably won't like the parts in between where he's singing and dancing. And if you are that concerned with the quality of singers' voices, you might not enjoy the song and dance numbers. But also, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell clearly put in the work to be the best they could at those two things. And... It is a musical that is shot like a stage musical and the choreography is great and the whole thing is really well-intentioned and good-spirited and I had a good time watching it and I have been humming that Christmas morning feeling for like four days now. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sensing an incoming disagreement. (laughs) Well, the, the problem is that I don't know I know you love your musicals. I love my musicals. I feel very strongly about what a movie musical should be. And I feel like this missed the mark on pretty basic levels. The I, I actually have no problem with their singing and dancing. It, it's You kind of accept these days that the, the era of the triple threat 
is long, long behind us. So when you watch old movies and actors were just expected to be good singers, good dancers, good actors at the same time because of the where they came from and because of the, the movies at that time, that doesn't exist anymore. So they're not great singers and dancers, but I actually, you're totally right. It's it's them doing it and they show us, they, they do the choreography and we see them doing it. So they've definitely put in the work. And I kind of like character singing over like Heidi, um, uh, uh, like quality singing. I, I think it's endearing, but my- Yeah, that's a really good word for, for it. First of all, I, I didn't think it was shot like a stage musical. I think it was shot by someone who shot it like a movie without shooting it like it, a, a musical should be shot. And the second thing, the main thing for me is that I th- all the songs were, uh, save for the first one and the last one, I want to talk about the last one in a bit more detail in a second. I thought all the songs were really weak and forgettable and overproduced. And I just was so desperate for them to be singing live on a live capture because it was so the problem with movie musicals is that it, it turns into music videos when you don't have live performance. And uh, unless you have someone who knows who has their, their toes in both worlds, like that the best movie musical of the 21st century is high school musical three. That is the <laughs> high bar. I'm, that is the high bar because the, the choreographer and the director both came from theater and then moved into movie making. And so it captures what a musical should be. This did not, there were a number of shots during the numbers that were that were really disjointed. But the main thing actually that really annoyed me about the, the song is that four times in this movie, it might be more, someone starts singing a song and someone interrupts it and the song just ends. And it made me furious <laughs> by the when it happened the fourth time because it's so jarring for me because I love the songs and the songs are an important part of like music. T- it can express emotions more than words can, so it's an important storytelling tool. And to have someone go, no, no, stop, 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 stop. Like I hated it. Um, and yeah, it's done. I don't remember that. A, I don't remember that happening. I do. I do remember a couple of times. There's one time because there's one song that was cut that then plays over the end credits. Yes, um, four times. But I do remember, like, yeah, there's like the Marley character at some point, like, is very much like, oh, are you going to come singing again? But they still keep singing. Like, yeah, I don't they, remember they, the songs stopping. I remember them being like, yeah. him, someone being like, are we doing this? And then someone being like, yeah, we're doing this. And then they keep going. So it drove me crazy. And yeah, you're one of those they repeat as the joke at the end. And honestly, out of the uh, it's a shame to me because they do a, a reprise at the end and that is shot and the the big group choreo is always very very good and high energy and high quality but we we uh, often it wasn't shot like uh like a stage musical should be so you could actually see it the last um the reprise was basically a tracking camera pulling back through different sets with everyone like dancing and singing directly through the fourth wall. So no like offset cameras directly to us. And it was the most musical style of the whole movie. And I actually love that final song as well. I thought it was really well done. The reprise song, yeah. not the not the let's do some good song, but the very, uh, very yeah. last credits. Yeah, song. that's that's the first song that they reprise. It's the that Christmas morning feeling. The one that's been stuck in my head for days is oh. that song. That's the first song they sing. It's it's big opening number as well. 
Um, and I will say you're right. Like, I do think it's it's impressive that they definitely like. It's it's the same. It's along the same lines as what I talk about when we talk about fight scenes, actually. And that like, it's actually very clear that 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 opening number is actually a really good example of this. That they did all the work, did all the choreo, rehearsed the shit out of it, and had like a million people on a big stage dancing, and then they do cut around way too much. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does cut around way too much to the point where it's not quite to the point of like a really bad fight scene, but it does cut way too much. Uh, again, it has that, that same effect of of it does in fights that it loses anything you've built up to that moment, and it's not how you should shoot a musical. It's just not. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of, I'm sort, of, I'm sort of okay with like in terms of like an aspect change. It's I think that's sort of fine. There's a couple of really uh, sort of good aspect changes where the camera moves position and then tracks in that opening number. It moves back to a different position and then tracks over the crowd and up to like a balcony and i thought yeah. that was really and then tracks yeah, along yeah, a bunch yeah, of people yeah. tap dancing so it's not all bad um but it definitely like no, at some points it, at some points it's just like it does do a couple of quick cuts and you're like why did you do that yeah. it doesn't make any sense and and i don't like i <laughs> I, I hate to say it but i find the good afternoon song really catchy <laughs> and i kind oh, of so expect like- I, I was going to say, I, I warned you that if you watch this, there'll be at least one song that your kids are going to be singing to you for days, and that was the one I meant. <laughs> so right. I assume that they are now singing that song to you all the time. No, they're not. But my son, when I put him to bed, said, I put him down, I love you, good night. He said, Dad. I said, yeah. He said, good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, anyone was watching football, someone, someone scored a goal and he said wow that was really good afternoon and good and rachel's like my wife's like no no don't you can't that's that's probably swearing stop it <laughs> like she so, so they have they've definitely um taken on board and both my kids when i asked them i did a quick poll this morning they really enjoyed the film so but just shows that they can't be trusted so um uh, what i mean do? honestly so, that's that's uh, sort of it too though like i don't like uh, i've seen a lot of people complain about this movie being like not very deep and very like forgettable, but my ex- my experience with it has been like honestly, is that really what you're looking for? For from like, a, and even the the film even calls itself out as another adaptation of a Christmas Carol that nobody asked for. Like this movie, this movie is trying to do exactly one thing, and that is for approximately two hours, put a smile on your face, and it succeeded in doing that with me. Uh, and that is fine. We are allowed to have movies at that tier of filmmaking. Not everything needs a super deep message. I do love deep Christmas movies like The Holiday, like really deep narrative victories, those movies. I mean, what do they expect? What what I found frustrating, and this is, is, I freely admit, something that really bugs me because I, I love musicals and I've done a lot of work with them on many different formats. And I, I just, it, when it's wrong, I can't go look past the small things that aren't right. The annoying thing about this movie is that there's a couple of moments I've mentioned the, the last song, but that are incredibly effective and good. There's one moment where Ryan Reynolds is talking about 
something they've already seen. And Will Will Farrow, because he's got like uh, the admin crew, he he gets on his radio. Is like, yes, can you call up uh, memory two two one three eight, please? And she's like, yeah, memory two one three eight. And and the uh, they literally wheel in the set from off from off screen, like yeah. it's a stage show. And the stagehands wheel in the back. And when they walk forward, they are then in the the full location. I thought that was amazing. I was yeah. there thinking, why didn't why didn't you do that for the whole movie? Like that is such a good idea to have it as multiple stage pieces, and then you get the stagey aspect, you get the musical aspect. But um, uh, that I mean, it incredible. does do that though. They right, do that. I mean, a, they do that a whole bunch of times. Anytime they're uh, in a memory, they do that. No, like this, no. this. If you anytime they're in a, every time they're in a memory, there's stagehands. There's one time yeah, where they're in, they're in, like there's one time where they're in somebody else's memory where there aren't stagehands, and that's because the stagehands don't know where they are. Like very, <laughs> like obviously in the narrative. Um, but every time they're in, every time that they're in one of ryan reynolds memories there's stagehands all over the place they're doing that shtick the whole time so that didn't that doesn't bother me uh, just, i just i just really I, cho- I chose to enjoy it when it happened not lament that <laughs> <I didn't. laughs> i really enjoyed there's one moment where the growth of christmas future comes in and it's, and it's like death in a cloak voiced by tracy morgan but at that point you he hasn't heard his voice Ryan Reynolds like no, and just like leaps through a painting and just sprints away, and all the other like side ghosts have to catch up with him, and like everyone's huffing and puffing, and, yeah. uh, and that that felt good as well. So I kind of wish there'd be more of that, um, but especially my main criticism is the songs were weak as hell, like overproduced and really weak, and I, that really as a musical it lives and dies by the songs. The lyrics the lyrics were not good on the songs; they were so like. Nothing moved me at all. How many stars well, are you giving this you, film? You do, you do have a heart made of stone, so that makes sense. <laughs> I do. It's true. Yeah, yeah. You you um, come from the land of Miss Thatcher, so uh, yeah, your heart made of stone. That's Mrs. Thatcher, the Iron Lady. Thank you. Oh, so yeah, uh, an Iron Lady with a heart made of stone. That's good. No, I'm also. the other way. I'm the other way. I'm so oversensitive and completely defined by musical chord changes. It's ridiculous that when music doesn't do anything to me, I'm like, oh, it's bad music. <laughs> Everything is ruined. So, how many stars for you? That's oh, three. It's perfectly cromulent three stars. Um, it's two from me, but your kids are gonna love it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah take take my opinion and throw it away as needed because you should watch it it's not a bad film it's it's perfectly fine but it it wasn't it didn't tick the boxes i needed it to i mean i will say also that like this is not going to help if you're not if you're one of the people who's sort of over ryan reynolds but i thought that ryan reynolds and will ferrell had a really fun chemistry together i thought oh, yeah. they were yeah. you know they they were clearly here's the thing and I think that that last shot you're talking about, that last musical number, um, really lays bare. Is that I think it really does feel like everyone had a great time making this movie, yeah. and that goes a long way for me. Yeah, I like so. Sunita Mani as well. She was good. Yeah, I kind of wish she got to sing more uh, and dance more prominently because yeah. she's actually a very talented dancer. But yeah. yeah, she's she is pretty great. I've enjoyed her every time I've seen her in anything. Maybe I was just annoyed that they dangled Rose Byrne in front of my nose for like precisely two minutes, and then we didn't see her again. That wasn't even the best That's cameo, it. though. The best cameo was the Judy Dench cameo. <laughs> the what? Where, she, 
Judy Dench cameos in the movie. Did you miss oh, that yes. part? Oh, she just no, walks no, no, through no, no. the frame. It's so good. And, and uh, she's part of the song as well, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very good. Very good. Okay. okay. Anyway, so let's move fine. on. Let's move on to our last thing, because we're running short on time here. Uh, we're going to talk yeah. now about another holiday special, uh, and that is the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, which is a 45-minute TV special in the vein of the Star Wars Holiday Special, in which yes. the Guardians who realize that Peter Quill is sad about Christmas go to Earth and bring Christmas back to nowhere for him. And um, it's kind of sweet and lovely, and also a little forgettable, but sweet and lovely and i got to hear kevin bacon sing a country christmas song and i'm fine with it <laughs> what did you sure. think simon what's the, what, what's the premise give us the rundown oh you just did give us i mean, I, just, I, mean I just did like they, they've the the two main like if you're over concerned with marvel lore the two main thing there's two main things that come out of this the first of which is that the guardians now own nowhere which was the base of the collector in the movies and <laughs> peter is sad because on earth it's almost Christmas, and his his memories of Christmas are not good. So Drax and Mantis decide to go to Earth and get Peter a present, and the present they want to get for him is legendary Earth hero Kevin Bacon. Um, and that's pretty much the whole story. They go to Earth, and they interact with people on Earth, and um, yeah, they, they kidnap Kevin Bacon and bring him back to nowhere, and he sings a song, and it's just kind of lovely. Yeah, it's I think it's the tone of it. You're right. It is forgettable. It's extremely saccharine. And um, that's exactly what it, sh I feel like that's the tone it needed to be. Like the, it does. I, it's it exactly does what it's supposed to be. The Star Wars holiday special. Yeah. It opens yeah. with the same animation style as the uh, Star Wars holiday special. Like it, it clearly, it wears its heart on its sleeve and its influences laid bare. And it's, it's um, the way it's shot as well. If it's shot, more like a TV episode. It doesn't feel like a uh, movie. Do, do you know what I mean? Like no, it, it has, um, like a TV it has big, it has big, we made this while we were making other things energy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it very much feels yeah. like, well, all these people are in the same place. You think we can get Kevin Bacon to come down for a day or two? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Okay. Let's, let's buy a bunch of Christmas lights and make a, make a special. And, to so be clear, guess, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's no. it's a, a perfectly good way to make uh, an overly sweet Christmas story. And there's one I, major revelation that I won't like. I mean, that, that mm. comes out in the story like immediately, but I'm not going to spoil it here. Um, that becomes kind of like the the maybe the point about Christmas at the end. And I yeah. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I thought it was totally and, fine. Is, I mean, there's whenever you see a bunch of actors make jokes about actors, you know what kind of show. Like, there's a, a running joke towards the end about how terrible actors are, and they're all like, "Yes, actors are terrible," and Karen Gillan's like, "Yes, actors are shitheads." Yeah. Um, but and so it's that level. Like you always know what kind of thing you're getting when actors actually start criticizing actors. <laughs> but for me, uh, two things. First one, my kids didn't know who Kevin Bacon is, which is something I have to rectify. Um, yeah, that's your that's so your fault. That's <laughs> my fault. That's my fault. I'll start with Tremors and go to Footloose and things like that. But the nice thing is that with the World Cup on, I'm streaming it um, by streaming UK TV. And 
turns out Kevin Bacon has done a bunch of cell phone commercials for UK TV. So every like 20 minutes or so, I'm in the other side of the house and I hear, Dad, it's Kevin Bacon! <laughs> like, um, <laughs> pretty, pretty regularly. So now they're very excited about Kevin Bacon because they really As well they this. should be. Kevin Bacon is a great really actor. Yeah. And they un- the, the, the show does, the show, the, the, ep- the thing does a really good job of telling you why he's important uh, and um even though you've never heard him before heard of him before and again that's the james gunn's writing is very very good at that i think but the standout for me i have to say is that the character of mantis has always really annoyed me it's always felt really one note and she's very much a side character and the mvp in this is pom clementiff mm-hmm. as mantis who is suddenly like her own character with her own like feelings. And there's wonderful moments where she snaps that I just loved. And um, she was the, she was the best part of this for me. She's a great actress anyway. And I've always thought Mantis is not her, obviously giving her enough to do, but that changed with this episode because I thought she was wonderful and so funny and really great timing. And your feelings, I, I think Drax is a bit overplayed now, but he was fine in this as well. Uh, like his, uh, the the literal kind of approach to his character is a bit overplayed, but my kids loved. There's one part where he gets tickled and my kids absolutely love that part. And it won't, it's not what it sounds like, um, but when you watch it, you'll understand. So I did was, also, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I sort of get what you're saying. I, I, I I think that Drax is fine in one of the movies you think he's bad in, um, but yeah, he's definitely it's wearing a little thin. But I also like that they go to Earth and they walk through L.A. Uh, through Hollywood and they they walk past a bunch of like people in you know the people in cosplay on streets who you take photos with for money and they and everyone thinks that he's God of War, which I think was really funny. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, we got a picture with God of War. Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, again. Sort of sweet, sort of overly sweet and saccharine, but also like that's exactly what this kind of Christmas thing should yeah. be. Like Christmas stories, I mean, sure, you can you can layer a ton of meaning into a Christmas story, but a lot of the time, this kind of thing, all it needs to do is be like, "Hey, isn't it great if we love each other?" Uh, yeah. yeah, and that can be the whole story, and that's all I really care about, and that's exactly what this one sort of gave me you know yeah totally. two, if it two, two friends doing a nice thing for their friend and and then singing a song and then that's like the whole thing and i'm i'm totally on board with it yeah absolutely it was very funny as well and kevin bacon's obviously he's great but he's great in this he's really he's on board like sometimes when you have cameos like this that the, the style is a bit uh they don't quite get it. Do you know what I mean? They don't quite get it. And there's yeah, it becomes a bit, where... bit pantomime Yeah, exactly. And he's very, very good at this. Um, Mantis kind of puts him into a trance. So he does change like character states sometimes very quickly right in front of the camera. And he gets it absolutely right. I thought he's really, really good in this and was really the heart of it. And it, the whole thing was kind of dependent on him being that heart and, uh, He's he's just great. He's just a great actor, and he really gets the style here. Yeah, which was really nice. I also I also really enjoy that. There's like a lot of minor details, like how Groot has grown up into like a big chunky 
you know, teenager rather than <laughs> yeah. the sort of like more lithe and sophisticated version he was in the first Guardians movie. And I really like that we got a full blown Cosmo the Space Dog because yeah. weird Marvel is weird, and I love it for that. So yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, it's it's a sweet thing, and there's it's definitely worth the forty five minutes of your time that oh, we'll take totally. up. Totally, and it should be saccharine and sort of goofy and forgettable that's exactly the tone it should have been i think if it tried to do anything more than that it wouldn't be a christmas holiday special yeah so so it's kind of fun yeah agreed so how many stars will you give the guardians of the galaxy holiday special (sighs) it's a three star yeah it's It's a perfect again as with the last film it's a perfectly cromula three stars it's better it's better than the last film. If you want to watch something Christmassy, I would say that it is shorter. Because <laughs> I will say uh, one thing. One thing about Spirited is at two hours, it is a little on the long side. But yeah. Oh, now some yeah. I didn't talk about in Spirited. I feel exactly the same way. It was too long, and I didn't like the split protagonist. I really didn't like. Um, the, it really messed with the whole Christmas Carol structure. But anyway, I don't want to talk about that. Um, you're right. It is too long. And this was perfectly formed at 45 minutes. I'd like every movie to be 45 minutes going forward, please. That would be nice. Like more movies at 45 minutes would be great. Yeah. True. All right. Well, let's cut it there because I am out of time. Yeah. But uh, thank you so much for listening. All of those things we've talked about are just available now. So go watch them. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you thought. We're on the social medias, most prominently on the Twitters. Uh, you can reach us at Awesome Friday CA. Uh, you can reach Simon at Temporary Pen. You can reach me at Matthew AF. Uh, and I'm on Hive now at Matthew. So if oh, you're yeah, doing yeah. that thing, um, do it there. Um, <clears throat> we'd like to thank everyone who's listening. We have a number of new listeners again this week. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. If you've been here the whole time, thank you so much for staying. We love each and every one of you. If you have liked what you've heard, you know, the drill, smash that like button, five star reviews, tell your friends, <clears throat> um, be sure to visit the, the website as well for more of our content and our ratings and streaming links to all of these things. Uh, um, and we have a Patreon and a coffee and give us money if you can. Thank you. Yeah, that was the subtle version of what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, of course, film, uh, film. We record this here in Vancouver on the unceded lands of the Musqueam and Slaywood Tooth and Squamish Nations. Uh, that is our show for this week. Uh, thank you so much for listening and for joining us on this awesome Friday. We love you. Bye.